Um, it, it feels really nice to preach like every, every other week because um, whenever you preach over and over and over again, you start to say the same things. Um, but it, it, I, feel, I feel pretty energized. But I also feel kind of nervous. I don't know why. But today we are going to be talking um, about this passage. And I was thinking, you know what? We talk about this passage a lot. What part have you guys recognized? What part of this passage did you guys recognize the most? <laughs> wow, Kyung. No. They're wrong. That's completely wrong. Right. Not neglecting to meet, one an, uh, uh, meet with one another. Uh, stir up one another to love, love and go. We hear that kind of stuff a lot. So I'm like, oh, let's, let's talk about something a little bit different. And this is kind of something that has come out of something I've been noticing in my life and other people's lives. Um, how many of you guys... Uh, I'm not using my iPad. I'm using my laptop. But I'm not bitter. How many, <laughs> how many of you guys feel like sometimes you are holding on to your faith barely? <laughs> Aaron with glee. Barely. Like, there, there are moments where you come to church and you're like, yes, Jesus is absolutely right. Then, like, Tuesday comes along, you're like, man, where's Jesus? I've been praying. And nothing, right? And you just do this over and over and over again. You, it's like a roller coaster. And finally, in the end, you're just looking at the back, uh, the past of your life, and you're just like, this is, I don't, I don't know if Jesus exists. Not really. I, I have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of concerns. I have a lot of moments where I needed Jesus, and I didn't feel like he showed up. I, I just don't know. And there's some smart people out there that are arguing. And I talk to my friends. They're staunch atheists, and they make me feel like an idiot. They're like, you believe in Noah's Ark? Like, the animals just came, two by two? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I believe it. And you have all these concerns that are piling up in your head, and you have no idea what to do with it. And it's day and day after day, and you, you hang out with like, people like me that just seem like they're so sure that you're just like, okay, well, I, I guess I'll hold on for a little bit longer. I guess I'll just, yeah, I mean, Howard... Howard seems like he's really passionate about Jesus, and so Jesus probably exists. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll stick it out. I don't know. I don't know. Right? And you kind of have this mode, this moment. And then some of you guys have been following Jesus for most of your life, and you are like adamant. Like, you're like, I know that Jesus exists. And then some crisis happens. Some crazy thing happens in your life. And it, it's, it's smashing you wave after wave, but not you make me brave. Right? And it's smashing you over and over, and you're like, I just don't, I can't, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I feel nothing. Have you ever felt that? This is the deal. There are passages like this, verse 23, that when, when, when we don't know who wrote Hebrews, we think it's Paul, but it's one of those question books. So don't, just whoever wrote, uh, wrote Hebrews. Whenever they write this kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's really easy just to kind of glaze over it when you're having your quiet time. Let us hold fast. Okay, hold fast. Like quickly holding? Like quickly, I'm going to hold? No. Like, it's really hard to really get what this is saying. So we're going to talk about this today. First thing I want to show is this, uh, the first slide. You see this tattoo. How many of you guys have ever seen this tattoo before? You don't know any sailors? None of you know any sailors? Cam? Cam's like, I got it. She's like, boom, knuckles. This is a tattoo that a lot of sailors uh, uh, use. And back in the day, this was mainly uh, people that worked on the deck, 
right? Because what happens to you on the deck? A big wave comes and crushes the boat, and then what happens to the poor sailors on deck? They wash off, or they're hanging on for dear life, right? And they would tattoo this on their hands to remind them to hold on. We get the word fast from, like, fasteners, right? Or uh, what, what do they say about your seatbelt? Fasten your seatbelt, lock down, like, you know, secure it. Hold fast means to hold on and not, not let go. And so I can imagine these sailors, huge wave, kagoosh, half of the, their friends are out in the water. They're holding on, the storm, kagoosh, winch, the, 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 the sails crashing over, and you're holding on, and he looks down, and he sees his knuckles. Hold fast. He's like, okay. <laughs> what, is that te- what is that telling you? The hold fast, what is that telling you? Does that really help mentally? Yeah, probably. Emotionally, yeah, probably. But what he's, he's, he's reminding him, like, hold on, remember what you've decided in your head, I don't want to die, especially by drowning. Hold on, because this will pass. Hold on, because there will be a time where you can let go. Hold on, hold fast. And this is the language that they use in Hebrews. And I think this is probably where they, uh, the sailors started getting this idea, because they understood the idea of hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast. Think about the sailor, the seas, pounding, 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 and you're staring at your knuckles. And it says, hold fast. Don't let go. Do not let go. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. Okay, so let's go in the background. What do you think, uh, who's the audience of the book of Hebrews, do you think? The Hebrews. Who are the Hebrews? What's another name for Hebrew? Jews. Aaron knows everything. He's an MD, PhD, and a theologian. <laughs> Hebrews is the Jews. Aaron's <laughs> like, hey, Jews. Jews. The Jews. They were writing this. These Christians were writing this to the Jewish believers. Now, what do you think the Jewish believers that converted to Christianity, what do you think their main temptation was? What? What? It's okay. If you're wrong, I won't laugh. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's not bad, but the, I'm, I'm thinking bigger. Like, the temptation for the Jews that become Christians were to go back to what? To Jewish, uh, the Jewish religion. Right. You should have said it louder. So what is the problem with the Jewish law? What, what do we, why do we not believe in the Jewish law? As in, like, why do we not look to that for our salvation? Why? Max, give it to me. With your sweater. With your sweater. Give it to me. My microphone, so you can. All right, lifeline. Anybody? Why, Josiah? Because they don't believe in Christ Yeah, which means they're depending on who? Themselves. No. Themselves. Who? Themselves. themselves. Grace Huang. Oh my goodness! If I had candy, I'd just pass it out to you. Five hundred points. They depended on themselves. In what way? God set up this this system, these laws. And you keep these laws perfectly, and then what happens? Whenever you die, you meet God, and God's like, welcome, because you did not break any of the laws. Now, what is the problem with that? There's so many laws, and some of them are really weird. Like, don't cut the sides of your beard. <laughs> okay, anyway. What? A lot of weird, but what, what's the problem with the law? You can't keep it. You can't keep it. One of the laws is... Uh, you shouldn't lie. 
That one, that one by itself is a troubling, a troubling law, right? That's, that's just troubling because I freaking lie all the time. Even if it's like a good lie. They're like, hey, you want to come hang out? Oh, I'm busy. I got stuff to do, right? I don't do that to any of you, I promise. But the idea is like, even like the good lies, even the good lies is like, bam, you broke the law. What are you going to do? And so these Jews, these Hebrews, they were being tempted by the Jews of their day saying, hey, why why do you believe in Jesus? This is stupid. He was a man. He died on the cross. How do you believe that he's the son of God? How do you believe that he's the Messiah? Come back. Come back to the temple. Oh, you don't sacrifice at the temple anymore? How are your sins forgiven? And all of a sudden, these Jews, they start getting, these uh, Messianic Jews, these Christian Jews, they started to be, have, have doubts. They started to be like, oh, I don't know. Uh, my whole family from all generations have been, have been Jews. Do I, do I follow? Do I go back? It just feels right because I'm so used to that. I'm, I'm so used to going to the temple. I know what it feels like. Uh, all the holy days and the, the Christians aren't following these holy days. I don't know what to do. It feels a lot like us. You got a lot of people surrounding you that are saying, are you really a Christian? Come on, man. You really believe that? Just, just come out with us one night. Come on, Friday night, man. This is your first semester of college. Come on, let's go. Dude, your parents aren't here. This is what college is about. Come on, let's go. We got invited, and there's a lot of cute guys, I promise. Okay, okay, we'll only have one drink. We'll only have one drink. Come on, let's go. Right? And they start pulling you. They start pulling you like the waves. They start crashing into you. All of a sudden you find out that your dad, who's been a strong strong Christian all his life and tried to guide your family, he starts walking away from his faith. And all of a sudden you start to doubt. Oh man, I don't know. Or you lose a loved one. Your grandmother dies and you're really, really close to her. Wave after wave begin crashing down on you. They knew this. The writer of Hebrews knew this. Let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering. Now let's talk about confession. What is this confession? Anybody know? What is this confession? That I am a Christian. That I am in Christ. That Christ is my Lord and Savior. That is, Christ is my identity. It is who I am. I am no longer who I used to be. I am a new creation in Christ. This is this confession of hope, right? The confession of our hope without wavering. You don't lose this mentality of this identity. Let's go to Romans 10. Or I'll go to Romans 10. Oh, that's good. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We don't use the term confess a lot unless you're like on trial, like, confess! I did it! I'm sorry! We don't, we don't really talk about confess. But basically what you're saying is, I admit, I am bearing witness, this is what I am, this is who I am, this is what I believe, Right? In some cases, this is kind of like coming out of the closet if you're homosexual. You're saying you're unwrapping this identity that no one knew really knew about you. When you make this confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're, saying, you're coming out of the closet and saying, listen, this is who I was, but I'm no longer this anymore. I'm confessing it. I want everyone to know. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Matthew 10, 
So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I, will, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's a scary verse, but I'm not using it for, for fear. I don't want you to be afraid. But this is the idea of this confession is so important. To hold on to your identity. To rem- be reminded of who you are. I remember when I would go into new places, I was tempted to not let people know that I was a Christian. You ever feel that way? Like you get a new job? And you just think, ah, oh, it's so weird anyway. Anytime I say Jesus, everyone's like, you know, like maybe I shouldn't say, uh, I'll let them know slowly. And you got this idea where you're like, you're not confessing. You're not admitting. And I'm not saying like, you just need to come in like, hello, my name's Howard. I'm a Christian. You don't have to do that. But I'm just saying that it's oftentimes our confession is something that we are willing to let go, that it becomes secondary. So at the job that I worked at before I, I came here to Augusta, uh, I worked at a really fancy restaurant. And uh, if you guys ever worked in a restaurant, like with real kitchen people, like there are some crazy messed up people in there, right? But I really like them. I, li- I love hanging out with them. So all the waitresses were like, these college students that binge drunk on the weekends. And I got into arguments with them, not arguments like bad, but they were always trying to get me drunk. And I'm just like, dude, I'm a grown man, you know? And uh, one of them was like trying to date Josiah, but Josiah was like six at the time, seven. <laughs> But not date, like, and he, she was like, hey, you would let me da- date your son, right? He's so cute. I'm like, no. She's like, why not? I'm like, you're an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. I only get drunk on the weekends. Every weekend. So? I'm like, are you insane? What is the matter with you? And she totally didn't get it. And then the other guy, the kitchen help, like, he was one of the, the, the guys who made the food, right? Him and I got an argument, not an argument, like, he liked to make fun of me, and I liked to just joke around with him. And he would, like, cuss at me and say, Jesus boy, he called me Jesus boy, even though I was, like, you know, a grown man. And so we would, like, joke around and laugh. And then when he got fired, like, I hung out with him, tried to encourage him, tried to get him rehired, right? And then those waitresses that were drunk every weekend, I would get their ice for them to put in the bin, because they knew that I was a Christian. They knew it. And I was telling I was telling them to come to church or whatever that kind of thing. And but it was really it was really like uh, tempting for me to pretend like I was just like everybody else. Oh, I would always put my taxes in for my tips because everyone else when you have cash tips, everyone just put it in their pocket and walked away. But I would every night I'd be like typing in how much I put in cash tips, and they're like, "You're stupid. You're so stupid." I'm like, "I believe in Jesus. <laughs> what you want me to do? <laughs> you know, I believe in Jesus. It's part of my identity. I held fast to that idea, right?" So the idea of holding fast, the other thing is, I want to go back to the waves crashing. Um, I don't want you to think that this is just circumstance in your life. Um, we don't talk about this a lot, but Satan, okay? This is kind of a weird thing, but uh, you remember that verse that we talked about, that one of the winter retreats back in the day? John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. That's what we're talking about. He's trying to steal from you the life that Christ has given you, deceive you, trick you keep you from getting to that place where, where God is using you in a mighty way. He wants to sabotage you, right? And these wave after wave, these waves, sometimes they're apathy. Apathy being like you just don't feel anything. You just, you're sluggish. You don't want to do anything. It might be fear. You're afraid to talk to somebody about Jesus, right? It might be dysfunction, depression, Oh, an island mentality. This is a big one. A lot of people in the church today, they have this island mentality. These are the people that come to church, and they sit in the pew, immediately after church is over, they go home. 
They don't talk. They don't engage. They don't become part of the community or the family. Now, I'm not saying it's just their fault because a lot of them are shy and the church isn't reaching out to them either. I hope that anybody that's new came, sat down, and people were immediately talking to you because we try to have that culture in here. But it's this island mentality where you're like, I don't need the church. I don't need anybody. Have you heard of Christians that just don't go to church? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Why? They're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you is one too. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're thinking. You're like, that you're not a hypocrite because you say you're a Christian, but you're not going to church? Show that, uh, the, the, um, the shield wall. How many of you guys ever watched the show Vikings? Discovery Channel? You, sh- you shouldn't. It's, it's, it's like a bunch of death and violence, but I'm fascinated with Vikings. This is called a shield wall. And what they do, this is very much like the Romans. Uh, this is way after the Romans, by the way. Um, but they would link their shoulders, uh, their shields, uh, and the soldiers would be shoulder to shoulder. And one dude on the right-hand side, he would block thrusts that would come from the outside. And then this dude would attack. So block, attack. And sometimes they would put the, sho- uh, the, the shield up whenever they're coming for attack. And the other dude would block from the bottom so that the other guy didn't get his ankles chopped off. You get what I'm saying? They stood by one another and they fought. This is what a shield wall looks like when they're, they're actually in battle. It gets kind of messy, Right? And I think in our Christian lives, this is what it's like, man. How many of you guys have ever gotten mad at your friend? That's a Christian. Like, so mad. He's like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. But you don't say that because you're grown. So you just pretend like, you know, everything's fine, but you don't want to talk to them ever again. Right? I think this is what is happening. Life in real life, in community, in church, when Satan's in the mix, right, is messy. But this is the deal. You survive. You make it. You thrive. You even win the battle. Right? You know what happens when... Uh, um, do you know how these, these armies lost? Their shield walls would break. They would back up, and then they would start to run. And you know what happened every single time? The soldiers chased after them and chopped them down. Why? Because there's no shield on your back. You're just running. And you're clumsy, and you're tired, and they just come after you as a horde, and they just wipe you out. And this is what happens when you have this island mentality. I don't need you. I hate all y'all. You guys are hypocrites. I'm not going to hang out with you. This church doesn't feel comfortable with me. I'm just going to go to church and hear the sermon and hear music and then just go home. That's all I need. That's all I No, you will become wiped out. Those waves will come and smash you. You'll have dark, uh, dark nights. You'll have the dark night of the soul. You'll have a crisis of faith and you will be wiped out. That's just the way it is. This is why Hebrews 10, can you go back, says... Uh, the first one. <laughs> Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some. It's not just like, hey, you know how like our pastor sometimes like, hey, you should go to church. You know how we kind of get that all the time? Or your mom's like, you need to go to church. Why? He hasn't done anything for me. Why? Because you're not engaged and you don't believe the message. The songs you don't know, you just sit there like this. Right? Of course, church is not an amulet that you put on and all of a sudden you feel holy and you're great. Maybe your guilt is assuaged for a little while. But the fact of the matter is, Hebrews is writing this because you do not want to be wiped out. You don't. And, and, and you'll hear this more and more in your life, but life is hard, or life sucks. It does. I wish I could tell you that life is just wonderful, and it's a bunch of like cotton candy, rainbows, and unicorns pooping ice cream cones. You guys know what I'm talking about, you weirdos? that commercial all right i'm add okay here we go i wish i could tell you that but life is not that even in the best times like my wife and i've been married how long we've been married honey in february it'll be 
Dang, 17 years. Some of you guys aren't 17 years old. Dang. But if you ask my wife, which is not appropriate right now, okay? But if you ask my wife, has it been easy with me? <laughs> she would say, absolutely. It's been a delight. No. Uh, she will say, it's been very, very hard, right? Because I am a pain in the butt. And then you can ask me about my wife. And she, she tells me I put her, she puts me through a lot of stuff, like the, like the things that she does. Like, for instance, birthing five babies in unnatural ways, which they call natural. <laughs> um, so like, like, like a lot of na- nasty, <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff, right? It is not easy. And then we've gone through a lot of hardship, a lot of struggles, a lot of letdowns, a lot of things. Like my wife and I wanted to be missionaries. We, were, we, were, we got married because we wanted to be missionaries and go overseas together. And we never went. And part of it was because I was afraid. And I was really dysfunctional. I had to look back now. I'm like, thank you, God, that I didn't go because I would have just been destroyed because I didn't understand these things. God had to heal my heart. I wasn't ready at 22 to become a missionary overseas. You know what I'm saying? Life is hard. You lose people. My mom was diagnosed with cancer after I found her. Uh, I was 21, so I hadn't seen her for 10 years. 11 to 21, she was disappeared out of my life. Didn't even call me or talk to me. Um, she thought that was healthy for me. I don't know why. But then I eventually found her as an adult. And then soon after, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she died within months. Like, that sucks. It's not easy. And so this is what they're, they're, they're t- these writers are talking about. They're like, this is life and death. This is like serious. If you want to hold on, you need people around you. You can't have this island mentality. If you want to hold on, you cannot have a choice in your head. I love Winston Churchill's uh, speech. I memorized it. You guys know it. Never give up. Never give up. And he just says it like a hundred times. Right? It was at some commencement for some graduation, whatever. Never give up. Never give up. He just said it over and over, this crotchety old man. Never give up. Right? And then it was like, he was like, all right. <laughs> Everyone's like, slow clap. They're like. But it became a famous speech because he said something that people throughout life that have had hardships and all this kind of stuff, they understood. You never give up. You hold fast. You're looking at your knuckles. You never give up. So in your faith, there will come a moment where you will decide It's this choice that you have to either follow Christ or not follow Christ. You will. You will have this choice. You will be sorely tempted to follow your own way or the other way or to do what you know that God is not calling you to do. And you're just going the opposite way. You're going to marry that girl that you shouldn't marry, that God has not led you to, or that guy that God has not led you to to because you're afraid. You think nobody else will love you. You make these decisions. You're going to take this job or you're going to follow this career path. Or you're going to lie to somebody. Or you're going to do this or do that. You're walking away from God. You're making this choice. And you should be staring at your knuckles. Hold fast to the confession of who you are. Who you believe in. Who, put your faith, who you put your faith in. Alright. Never give up. Right? Um, something else that my wife and I went through. Um, before we were married, uh, we were on a mission trip in Thailand. Uh, we were swimming in the Mekong River. Fast current, under, undercurrent, Right? Uh, a lot of you guys have heard this story, but um, there's this little boy that we were playing with, and this, the, the weird thing about the, the river, it was, it was like shallow, 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 death. <laughs> and then in the death was this super, super fast current. And so we were out there like, you know, like at the edge because we wanted to actually put ourselves underwater rather than like at, at our ankles the whole time. And this little boy was hanging out, and he jumps on Raylin, and Raylin's on the edge, and it pushes her out into the current. Now, the problem with the kid is he can't swim. 
He's not a baby. He's a little bit older, um, but he panics and he grips Raylan's head, right? And he's trying to climb up um, to, to put his head above water. And my wife just goes under the water. And of course, she wasn't my wife at this time. So I had a choice, save my girlfriend or just be like totally safe, right? And I saved my girlfriend, tell you what, which is why she's married to me now. She had no choice after that. So I, of course, I'm in the water. <laughs> People ask me all the time, how did you get her? She's so hot. I'm like, ah, it's because I saved her life, right? So she goes under, the kid's gripping her head. She's trying to get up to, to breathe and she can't because the current's pushing her. We're sailing down the river. I'm going under and I'm shoving her up as hard as I can above the water. But the kid keeps pushing her down and he's breathing and he's kind of shouting, screaming, but like the, the parents are pretty far away. She can't get her head up out of like maybe 10, 15 times. She has like two breaths and I'm pushing her over and over and over. And there was this moment in the darkness in my head because I was under the water. I was holding on to her, and I was thinking, we are both going to drown. That's what I was thinking. We were both going to drown. But I just kept going because in my head, right, I didn't have hold fast tattooed in my hands, but in my head, I had hold fast in my head. Like, I would rather drown than let her go and this kid drown. And I was just like, I just got to keep going and going, and it felt futile. Like, it was a futile exercise in futility. I kept doing it. She wasn't breathing. He was breathing. Nobody was coming. The, the, the current was pushing us deeper and deeper out, and I had no idea how we were going to make it. But I just kept going, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. And then finally the mom, you know, with this mental connection with her child, something's wrong, sends the dad. Dad grabs the boy, pulls him in. Finally she's free. She can swim up, and we both swim to the shore, and we're fine. Of course, laying there like, we almost died. Wow, we almost died. This was horrible. This was a horrible experience, right? But it reminds me of this situation when the waves are coming and crashing over you in your life, when you're disappointed, when your friends let you down, when you're angry, when you're, when you're bitter, when you don't feel God at all, these uh, crises happens in your life. Over and over and over, remember the holding fast. It's the never give up. Number two, know what you believe. Not knowing makes you weak. How many of you guys understand the Apostles' Creed that we recite every Sunday in the EM service? I'm going to read it to you, okay? Because some people have asked me funny, really cute questions that I love. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. That's really, that all makes sense to you guys, right? Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay, still we're okay. It's kind of confusing a little bit, but we understand what they're saying. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That was the Roman guy that they brought before, and he said, I wash my hands of this right? <clears throat> and then they go, go ahead and crucified, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. That's, that's confusing, right? Did Jesus go to hell? When you guys recite that, you're like, he descended into hell. Is that right? <laughs> oh, okay, next line. <laughs> right? All right, so what are they talking about there? He descended into hell, meaning uh, he went to Hades. Uh, he went to the afterlife. He died. Uh, he's no longer living, okay? It doesn't mean like hell, like fire and brimstone. He's like, what's up, guys? Let's go! And they, they charge out of the, you know. It, it just means he, he was dead, and then, you know, he's not dead. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And in our translation, our, our version, it says arose. It just means rose. It got up. Again from the dead. He ascended in heaven. And this is the cute question. And sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. They're like, what does sitteth mean? Uh, it means sit. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Or he sitteth. So use that today. Um, is anyone sitteth here? So, 
Uh, from thence, uh, or from there, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Uh, what is the quick? The really fast moving? It's like the rabbit and the tortoise? No. The quick is those that are Christian, those that uh, have been quickened, their spirits have been quickened, they're alive. Even though they're dead, they're alive. Okay? Quickened. Like you, if you guys are, are, are following Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, then you guys are quickened. You're the quick. Okay? Quicken the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. Oh, the Holy Christian Church. We changed it because the original says the Holy Catholic Church. And it doesn't mean Catholic as in like the Catholic Church, capital C. It means Catholic as in universal. Okay? Universal church, like every church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We recite that not because we want you to memorize something a little cutesy and you can recite over and over like the Lord's Prayer. It's because it means something. A lot of you guys will have confusing questions about your faith and not knowing. You remember in college group we talk about what secondary issues are and what primary issues are, right? Women being pastors, is that a primary or secondary? Secondary. Why? Because we've even seen it in missionaries in China where there's no men that are converted, so the only people in the church are women. So should they not preach? No, of course they should become the leaders of the church, right? It's a secondary issue. We need to know what our primary, what we mean, what we believe, what we say. And this is it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and on and on and on and on. You need to know what you believe. You should get to the point, every single one of you, to be able to share the gospel from beginning to end. Meaning, like, this is what I believe. Not in a formulaic sense, like you can't come to me and say, all right, Howard, give me a chart and all this kind of stuff. No, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? So you can tell your friends. And when you tell your friends outside of a format, it's believable because most of you are bad salesmen, right? You guys try to sell me your grapefruits and I laugh at you. <laughs> it's not compelling, but your faith needs to be compelling. Uh, number three, know that it's yours. It's already yours. If you are a follower in Christ, it doesn't matter your merits. You know how like you look at Jane, Jane's the legend, not this Jane, but the Jane before we used to call her the legend. Remember? Um, and everyone at JCA knew who she was, and JCA is a bunch of legends, and Jane is the legend of legends. Right? You just thought that Jane was holy, like she just walked, and she was always annoyed. If you are not Jane, right, then you probably think, ah, well. Or uh, was it Josh? Josh, you were talking about levels. So, like, you know, some Christians are like level two, and then some Christians are like level 700. It's like the, the Dragon Ball meter, like where they have the meters, and you can look at your spiritual meter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Aaron was 700. But this is the deal. This is the deal. That's not true. This confession is yours. Your identity in Christ is yours. It has nothing to do with uh, your, your, your holiness. Because it's Christ who makes you holy. Right? So you don't have to think, oh, well, it's, it's, Jane's confession is solid because she's like a great Christian, but not, not me. No, it's yours. You don't need to go out and get it once you believe it's yours. And then number four, uh, when we're talking about holding fast and the life, uh, life is just crashing around you, right? Realize that Jesus is coming to save you. Jesus is coming to save you. Now, for some of you, that means, and this is just being really honest, some of you, some of you that salvation might be at death, where Jesus comes and rescues you. Remember, I don't remember if you, we, uh, if you remember this, but I talked about holiness and how uh, some people think holiness is a bad word. Like, holiness is not to sin. But really, you know what holiness is? It's a relief. Imagine the guy who is a crack addict, right? And every day he's cooking crack. 
He's trying to figure out ways to get money. He's already ruined relationships with his family. He's trying to steal from them, to sell, to buy crack. And then he's, he's burning it, and he's, he's um, tourniqueting his arm, and he's, he's injecting his arm with, with crack, right? And, he's, uh, and he throws up, right? He, doesn't, he, he feels crazy, but he's, he's, he hates his life. He hates himself. He's disgusted with himself. And then let's say one morning he wakes up, and he has no addiction, no desire at all for crack. That's holiness. How many of you guys are tormented by the, the life that you live? The weakness, the, the disappointment, the struggle just to do what's right, to read your Bible, to pray, to love Jesus who's loved you, and you're so convinced of it, but you're so, so, so far away from that. That's holiness, man. This moment where you just wake up and you no longer have those struggles. For some of you guys, if you become an alcoholic in here, you will struggle with alcoholism for the rest of your life until you die. For some of you that end up getting a divorce, you will carry that with you for the rest of your life. You will be a divorcee. And I know the culture makes divorce not a big deal, but it, you feel it. For those of you that will lose children, whether it's by um, miscarriage, um, abortion. I had a friend who had three abortions before she became a Christian. Whether it's uh, when their children grow up or, or get older, you will carry that for the rest of your life. But there are those moments where you hold on and you don't let go and you know that Jesus is coming to save you, and he will. He will. It might not look the same way as you see in the movies where, where some superhero sweeps down and saves you. But this is real life we're talking about here. Not everything goes well in the way that you think it's supposed to go well for every single person on earth. But the reality of it is everything <coughs> that in your life that you suffer through, that you go through, Christ redeems. He takes it and he makes something good out of it. My iPad is stolen. Is it a big deal? No, not really. Not really. It's just money. Can I get really frustrated and angry over it? Yeah. But do I? No, not really, because it's just money. It doesn't matter. It's an inconvenience. Right? You have to look at your life in the perspective of, does it really, really make sense that everything that I want in my life to come true happens? Does it have to be that way? No, because that's not the reality of life. For you guys, you will have disappointments, and then you will look back and you'll be like, Thank you, God. I, I had this girl that I was in love with, and I had sex with her, and then I told her parents. I confessed to them. You remember? And the father was my like, spiritual mentor. They gave me a gold ring, a, a purity ring, and I broke it the week after. I'm not kidding. This is like real life. And it was the worst thing that he, he said, I don't want you to ever see my daughter again, so I never saw her again, really. And I thought at that moment, like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me happened to me right but I was so young I was just straight out of high school I didn't know anything and I thought God I could control my life and my life was going to be awesome and perfect the way I set it up and I lost her and I was like oh my gosh my life is over and her life was over and everything was over all of our dreams were over and then I went to missions and then met my wife that was a screw up that was my fault that was my mistake and I did the right thing but the turning of my life right still ended up being in God's control, in God's hands. Yeah? So I just want to encourage you to hold on. 
Just think about it in your head. Whenever life is throwing crap at you and you think it sucks or your apathy, you don't feel anything, you're broken, you're messed up, just look down in your knuckles and pretend like there's hold fast. Don't come next week with tattoos on hold fast in your knuckles, okay? That's, I'm not saying that, okay? Your parents will be mad at me. Don't do that, all right? But just imagine it, okay? So that when, 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 when life becomes very difficult, you remember. Is that good? Yeah? Is that good? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for... Thank you for your mercy. <clears throat> that nothing in our life, any pain in our life, never goes to waste. That you redeem every part of it, every aspect of it. That we become who you designed us to be. This, this process of sanctification is firmly in your grasp. And so we want to trust you and yield to you, God. Not looking to our own way to make our own path, to make our lives look the way we think they should look but that we would totally depend on you, trust in you, knowing that you will make this incredible life and that you will use us mightily when we yield and continue to yield to you. But in those moments of darkness, God, moments of struggle, when everyone in here will feel that they are lost, God, that they would continue to hold fast. They would remember this passage. They would hold fast. They would not let go. They would make the decision to never give up. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are able to sustain us in that. That not only are we holding fast, but you are holding on to us. And I thank you that that's the kind of God we serve. I thank you that that is who you are and that is your character. And so we depend on you. We lean on you, Lord. Lord, we also pray for the offering, God, that you would uh, fill it and um, bless the church. Not, not, not for number's sake or glamour's sake, but that... Um, that our church would be reminded that we are here, that we are a part of, that we are a growing community, that we want to worship you through uh, our giving, our sacrifice, and, and we want to honor you and our, and our church. And so we give all of this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, offering buckets over there. Um, thanks. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>